Well, again, good morning. Um, happy to be with you this morning on this Monday. Through the storm, indeed, through the storm, he is Lord. And as we begin this morning, I'd like to acknowledge um, the tragic incident that occurred this weekend in Burnsville. As Burnsville police officers and first responders were responding to a domestic call yesterday morning, two officers, one firefighter paramedic lost their lives in the line of duty at the hands of an armed suspect in the house. And this impacts the UNW community directly as one of them, Paul Elmstrad, was a 2018 grad of the University of Northwestern. Our prayers are with their families, their coworkers, and their friends. Um, and I'd like to have a moment of prayer now as we, as we begin. Father, surround the loved ones of Paul, Matthew, and Adam. God, provide your, your peace in this horrific tragedy. God, to comfort their hearts. May your presence be constant and may they know your goodness even in the midst of suffering. We pray for an end to violence of, of every type, God. Bring your peace. Bring your shalom to this world that hurts. Amen. Thank you for that. Well, friends, recall that as we have been um, exploring the Sermon on the Mount this, this year, we've been seeing Jesus inviting his, his audience um, and us into the life of the kingdom of God. It's a life marked by radical generosity where the poor and the mourners and the meek are blessed. A kingdom where, uh, a kingdom of the new covenant where Jesus says, I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. A kingdom that is here at hand in our midst and actually within us, yet it's a kingdom that's not here in its fullness yet. We live in this overlap as we've been looking at it in terms of a, a visually a Venn diagram where it's the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God. It's here, it's overlapping, and we live in that overlap. But we still experience, don't we, the kingdom of this world. And here in today's passage, Jesus is giving his hearers guidance on what kind of habits will sustain the life that he calls us to as we live in this overlap. And so I want to begin with the passage in Matthew chapter 7, 7 through 11. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Here we see a picture of the heart of God. We see that he is he's able to provide for us. He's able to understand our need and to respond. That he's willing and that he's eager to give us good things. Indeed, there are similar passages elsewhere in the Gospels. Matthew later in 18, 
Jesus says, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. John captures Jesus' words here in John 14. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Mark 11, Jesus says, therefore I tell you, Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And on the surface, the meaning of these verses are pretty clear. Jesus is telling us that in our life of prayer, we should ask boldly and trust that he, is, he has this um, ardent desire to provide for us. In fact, that providing, that giving, that's a picture of his very nature. God is good and God is Love, and it's true, God is our provider, and we are in need of what he gives. He is a good God, and and he wants to provide us with good things. So we can take Jesus at his word, and it maybe seems pretty cut and dry here. I think we we can ask, God gives, amen. Let's close in prayer. I wanna hold up for a second, right? Because I want us to be honest, it's not so simple. It's not so simple. There can be be some, I know for me, there can be some big challenges to this, to taking Jesus at his word, to this would-be straightforward meaning of his words here in Matthew 7. And here's where I wanna provide an important disclaimer for you today. This chapel talk likely will not provide neat and tidy answers. There's a place for that, but but that's not my goal today. It may leave you with questions. It may leave you unsettled. Second, the one teaching from the text today, that's me, (laughs) does not have as many answers as, as he does questions when it comes to prayer. If I might be honest. Third, what follows is less points of a message offering explanation and more an asking of important questions to help us wrestle together. In fact, as we go today, I'll be primarily putting questions up on the screen as we go. Now, I want to acknowledge that throughout history, um, there have been scholars and philosophers and theologians and pastors, authors and speakers and podcasters and professors who have had satisfactory answers and explanations for a lot of these questions. Some of these answers and explanations resonate with me and and, and maybe some don't. But my goal today is not to diagram a formulaic um, logical explanation. My goal today is not to resolve tension. My goal today is to name and to recognize and to validate some of the questions that we have on the topic of prayer. To normalize the wrestling with the text and the wrestling with God. To invite us to to bring our honest selves to him. All this on a Monday morning, right? (laughs) God welcomes us into that space. He welcomes us into that space of of vulnerability. And even more importantly, he meets us there in it. He meets us there in it. So can we take Jesus at his word here in Matthew 7? Like I said, I've I've struggled. 
because there are challenges to understanding what Jesus is saying here. First of all, how does this work? How does this work? What are the mechanics of this? Like if God is all-knowing, doesn't he already know what we're going to ask? And if he knows what we're going to ask, why even ask at all? Does our asking change God's course of action? Is he deciding what he'll do based on, on how we pray? Does God actually know all things, including all decisions we humans will ever make? And if so, does that imply that he wills these decisions to come to pass? Or does he in his sovereignty limit his own foreknowledge in order to truly give us free will? And if so, then how is his will accomplished on earth? And is that really sovereignty? People have been asking these questions for a very long time, making cases for and against these suppositions. So if you're sort of feeling like you have not every one of these figured out, you're, you're in really good company today. Are there some things we can be sure of? I think so. What can we be sure of? Well, for starters, let's look back at today's text. We can be sure that Jesus wants us to ask for things in prayer. In fact, we can go back a chapter and look at Jesus' uh, further teaching on prayer, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, and see that he wants us to ask for certain things, right? Um, his name to remain holy, his kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth, our daily sustenance. He asks us to pray for forgiveness and help in forgiving others, for protection and uh, protection from temptation and evil. This helps us know that, that Jesus isn't giving us a blank check just to ask for whatever we want to on a whim. He's not, after all, a genie in a bottle. Rather, just like our lives, our actions, our thoughts, and our feelings should be shaped by the values of the kingdom of this, sorry, the values of the kingdom of God, our asking and our praying should be shaped by the values of the kingdom of God. What else can we be sure about? Well, looking again in chapter seven, we see that Jesus, he very intentionally uses the imagery of a loving father who loves and provides for his children. So we can be sure that God is good and he won't give us anything that's, that's wrong for us. Well then, are you ready for another honest question? then why do bad things happen? Why do bad things happen to us? And this gets at another challenge to understanding the meaning of Jesus' words here in Matthew 7. What about when he doesn't answer prayer? Now I know there are some of us here in this room who when we hear these words in Matthew 7, our hearts grow heavy, our eyes well up with tears. We get that that knot in the pit of our stomachs, because although God says he will give us whatever we ask for, our prayers seem to be hitting the ceiling. We've asked faithfully and boldly, and our prayers remain unanswered. And if we're honest, here as we encounter Jesus' words in Matthew 7, there's tension. And if we're really honest, maybe some of us have felt unfairness, or uncaring, or betrayal, or even the utter absence of the presence of God altogether. 
I, maybe like you, am not a stranger to unanswered prayer. The summer that I was 23 years old, I was working at a Bible camp, which was several, several hours away from my home. One day, a coworker came up to me and told me that my brother had called and that I should call him back as soon as I got the chance. I knew right away that something was wrong. For him to try to reach me in the middle of my week of camp, We didn't have cell phones back then, so I had to go to the, um, the camp office and dial his number, and I called him back, and he answered, and he told me that he had just learned that my dad had been diagnosed with late-stage pancreatic cancer, and that he just had a few months to live. I was devastated by this news, and in, in, in an instant, my mind and my heart were filled with all the emotions, sadness and anger and Rage and even regret. Regret because my, I knew my dad loved me and he showed me that throughout his life in all the ways that, that he could. But my parents were divorced when I was little. And, and also, um, we didn't see him much after that. And my dad battled with some significant mental health challenges as well. And, and those really came in the way of our relationship. And so I was angry that I may now not have a chance to have a real significant relationship with my dad. You know, the day I got that phone call and in the days that followed, I prayed. I prayed a lot. I prayed on my own. I prayed with my friends. I was able to go back home and I prayed with dad and uh, and I prayed with him. And through all of this, I prayed for healing. I prayed for more time for our relationship to have a a better chance. And, And I prayed for Jesus to be near him through it all. But you guys, dad's body wasn't healed. He died late September of that year, just a few months after my brother called me that day. I I, I didn't get more time. The cancer took him right on schedule. For my brothers and I, we were, we, we had some meaningful and beautiful moments in those months leading up to my dad's passing away. And all of us in our own ways, we were able to have some of the important conversations we needed to have. But my prayers for dad's healing and my prayers for more time, no. Just, just no. So what hope do we have? What hope do we have? Well, there's, there's two big things I want to share this morning, and, and, and I think we know these, but I want to name them. We do have hope because, A, Jesus can relate Jesus can relate. You guys, have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus himself experienced unanswered prayer? This blew my mind when I realized this as I was thinking about this. Jesus experienced unanswered prayer. Scripture records at least three times where this happens. Um, first at the Last Supper, Jesus, you know, he, he washes his disciples' feet and then he prays. He prays for his disciples and, and, and for all believers. John records this in chapter 17. Jesus says, I'm praying not only for those disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's me and you, by the way. Jesus continues, I've given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that that you love them as much as you love me. Now, it occurs to me, you guys, that, that Jesus has been waiting for this prayer to be answered for over 2,000 years. Because the church, believers across the world, 
We are not united to the degree that Jesus prayed. Jesus prays for perfect unity that the world may know. And we're not, we're not there yet. Another time Jesus' prayer goes unanswered is in the garden, Gethsemane. Matthew records these words. He went on a little further and bowed his face to the ground praying, my father, if it's possible that this cup of suffering be taken away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And he prays these similar words repeatedly that night in the garden. He experiences such agony in the garden and as a result of his anguish, he prays. He prays three times for a way out of the suffering that he's about to undergo. I think for most of my life, I've focused on the not my will but yours be done part, right? And of course that's the heart of Jesus. His whole life was characterized by seeking after the will of the Father. But it's striking to realize that these words cross Jesus' lips. Let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Unanswered prayer. And again on the cross, Matthew 27, Jesus, uh, Jesus had another unanswered prayer, right? At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. And at about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemes sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Here Jesus is doing what we're invited to do. He's borrowing from the, the, the book of Psalms, David's prayer journal, right? Psalm 22, he's quoting here. Indeed, Jesus, the Messiah, is a fulfillment of this prophetic psalm. But let's not ignore or miss the fact that this is his genuine prayer, too. On the cross, Jesus calls and the Father does not answer. Jesus suffered almost to the point of death and, and in these moments will bear the sin of the whole world, sin that requires separation from a holy God. Ours is a God who suffers with us. In fact, for me as a spiritual seeker at age 20, this concept was what I found irresistible eventually that the God of the Bible left the glory of heaven to be here with us and to experience suffering like we do. No other religion gets this. No other supposed deity does this. And so when we pray and it feels like our prayers are unanswered, we can at least know that Jesus understands. He went to great lengths to prove that. A second hope that we have not only does, does he get it, not only that he um, relates to us, but you guys, Jesus is with us in it. He's with us in it. I like how author and pastor Pete Gregg, he invites us to reframe the question of why, which is so common and, and okay, by the way, okay to ask why. But he invites us to reframe it and not to just be asking why, but to be asking where. He says, sometimes we just can't understand why, but actually a far more constructive question you can always ask when you're suffering is, God, where are you in this situation? Because he's promised I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. This morning I want us, uh, I want to invite us to um, a moment of response, of reflection, some prayerful introspection, some time to be honest with the Lord, 
bring your asking, bring your wrestling, bring to mind any of those questions you have about how does prayer work or bring to God those unanswered prayers. Maybe today you're not wrestling and that's, that's really great. For you, I, I would simply ask that you would hold up your peers in this room who are during this time. For you who find yourself wrestling with unanswered prayer or, the, or are just perplexed by the purpose and the mechanics of it, I invite you to use this time as an invitation to boldly bring your question to God as an, as an offering. Bring it to God as an offering. Remembering that he is good and that he's compassionate, like a loving father, he wants you to know that you can tell him anything and you can ask him anything. And to facilitate um, this way of sharing your thinking and, and to allow others to experience this sense of, uh, I'm not alone in this, I'd invite you to participate in this live poll, okay? So you're gonna need your, your phone. Over the course of the next five minutes or so, get this, guys, before you get going on this, take some time to silently and prayerfully speak with God, okay? This isn't meant to be um, chat with your neighbor time. It's meant to be prayerful, or prayerful with God. If you have questions about prayer, bring them to him. And then when you're ready, pick one word. Pick one word that represents your questions, okay? And here are a few practical instructions and so you know what to expect here. Um, I know it says you can respond more than once, but I would just ask today that you'd simply try and focus on one word and share that as your one response. This will allow um, as many people as possible um, for, for the, their words to be seen. And just so you know, the larger a word appears, the more often it's responded or the more often it's entered as a response. Um, also, there's a chance you might not see your word or that it's real brief on there. That's because the tool can't handle, you know, 700 uh, responses at a time. Uh, let, we want you to know, though, that yours is being captured, and, and our team, we're, we're excited to be this week, be praying for, for each one of you and each one of these words. So again, throughout this time, as you see responses appear, be praying for one another. Be praying for one another. Let's take a few moments. I'll come back and, uh, and close this time. Thank you for engaging in that together. And if we could, let's, let's leave that up for a minute, you guys. Um, this has been, uh, admittedly, um, an individual and introspective uh, activity, by and large. I mean, here we are in the presence of one another, which is powerful, don't get me wrong. Um, but let's not have our wrestling, our, our questions, Let's not, let's not let that be a solo thing. Okay, here we are at the University of Northwestern and we are utterly surrounded by people who care. Maybe it's the people next to you who you're sitting with. Maybe it's your professors. Maybe it's your roommate. Um, and as you wrestle, let's not wrestle. Let's not wrestle alone.
So the encouragement here is, is find a friend, find a pastor, a parent, a professor, an RA or a commuter assistant, student life staff, your RD, student care team, counseling services, whomever. Find us, spiritual formation staff. We'd love to sit with you in this. Okay, email chapel at unwsp.edu if you, if you want to reach out for just a chance to meet and to process together. Um, but now before we, we sing one more song, I, I'd like us to, uh, to pray together. God, we look at the words that have come onto the screen and, and we just ask, Father, that, that you would bring uh, an increased awareness of your presence in amidst all of this uh, uncertainty and questions and wrestling. God, remind us of your, your, holy, um, your holiness, your power to provide, your willingness to provide, that remind us of your goodness, that you want us to thrive and live the abundant life. And God, especially when we're asking where are you, remind us of your compassionate presence in our lives. Do that through the, the conversation with, with a friend. Do that through a conversation with someone we're ta- talking with. Do that through um, our quiet moments in prayer. Do that through any means, God, that you can find to break into our hearts. And Father, thank you. Thank you that you are compassionate, that you hear our prayers. And we pray in your name now. Amen. There's a lot of words up there that we saw that really can be very, very heavy and stormy feeling. And um, like the first song we sang, this next song is about being just really overwhelmed by all the storm and all the waves and everything we see crashing around us. And I know you guys know the song very well and you've probably heard it maybe one too many times, but I want you to re-listen to these lyrics and re-open your mind and heart to what the truth that really is in these words um, that we can sing confidently um, all together today. And I invite you to join and stand up with us today if you'd like to do that as well. 